What's everybody drinking tonight? Nothing. Water. Water. You sound terrible, by the way. Yeah, my throat's fucked up. Yeah, I can tell. So, hey, Mickey's doing the uh, doing the review this time. Mm-hmm. Yes, Scott, that's exactly what's going to happen. They're in space. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Kirk. From hell's heart, I stab thee. <laughs> For hate's sake, I swallow your dying load. Whoa. <laughs> And coming and going at the same time. <coughs> oh, right in the ear. Just call me Paladin. Podcasts, the final frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission... Explore old episodes of Star Trek, alienate even more listeners, and boldly plow your mom where no one has come before. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek with Chris. Filmation Star Trek, when a phaser beam is actually cheaper. Hey, Mickey. Zap, ow. Zap, ow. Zap, ow. (laughs) Scott. I gotta, I'll just keep shocking my balls with this taser I got here. And Fort Max. Sure, let's go with that. This week on that one episode of Star Trek, we're almost out of Star Trek the Animated Series. Damn it! We have four episodes left, and we're going to talk about two of them tonight. So when we're done so with the whole series, we should like, make like a box set of Toast the Animated Series. <laughs> <laughs> Own the complete set today! Only seventy nine ninety nine. Please no COD. <laughs> yeah, don't sing COD. I don't like COD. It's in bass. Sorry, Tennessee. Just for the hell of it. <laughs> Sorry, Tennessee. What do they have against Tennessee anyway? Besides that, it's terrible. They visited it. <laughs> well, Tennessee may be terrible, but it's no Georgia. Yeah, but Georgia's no Mississippi. Well, what is? I was trying to think of something. Uh, Somalia toilet in a truck stop. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but you know, a toilet stall in a truck stop is not a whole state in the country. And plus, at least it it gets cleaned twice a year. (laughs) Mississippi or the toilet? The toilet. Uh, Yeah, it's like the difference between uh, Jersey girls and trash. Trash gets picked up eventually. (laughs) Yeah. You see, because, uh, you know, Jersey girls, you know, they, they're even worse than trash. That's what I'm trying to say, you know. <laughs> hey, XV. What's up? How do you get Scott's mom into your bedroom? How do I get her out is the better question. <laughs> you, you grease her hips and push. <laughs> hey, that hurts. No, that's what the grease is for. <laughs> that's funny when you're making fun of me. <laughs> And you're Irish. Yes. Of Irish descent. I think it's much worse to have ancestors that fought in the Civil War. For the other side. Mine didn't. My ancestors came from Poland. Oh, yeah. That's a group of winners right there. 
Well, I at least come from the smart Polish people, the ones who knew to leave. <laughs> right. Are you sure they just didn't get confused and thought they were just a weird part of Poland? <laughs> it's warm here. I've seen pictures of Poland. It actually looks kind of pretty. Yeah, yeah. Poland's actually a beautiful country. Yeah. <laughs> With, like, you know, thousands of years of history. It's actually pretty awesome. Is so, that where whatever. The Witcher is from? Uh, yes, actually. Where what's from? The Witcher. Oh, okay. Yeah, Witcher's awesome. Speaking of which, Final Fantasy XV is basically The Witcher. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, that's a good thing. Oh, okay. Also, in other news, Final Fantasy XIV has added Garo armors. Like official Garo armors, or just like yes. practically? Like they doesn't have a time limit. Like they had a whole event, and Ray Fujita was there, and nothing really makes sense in the world anymore. That's very strange. Okay. Does the armor have a time limit for use? I have no idea. I just saw pictures on Twitter of the like press event for it. One would hope. Yeah, because it seemed like it was main continuity Garo armors, not uh, the in the where they ignored all the rules. It made a better show for it until the second season. There was no second season of the in the. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. I mean, after watching the second season they made, I would have preferred if there wasn't. It was kind of just nice to leave it where it was. Oh, well. Yeah. You know what they did make a second season of? Star Trek The Animated Series? How did you know? (laughs) How did you know? Okay, so our episodes for tonight are the Pirates of Orion. Fuck you, uh, fuck you. uh, (laughs) So, Scott, why don't you tell us about the Pirates of the Oreos? <laughs> I think I will. Uh, which also, watching this episode annoyed me uh, because my ex fiance now wife, uh, was like, no, that's how you pronounce it. That's how we pronounce it. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> great. So, my whole life is a lie. They pronounce it Orions. Fuck you. She's never seen Star Trek before. How does she know how it's pronounced? I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Who is she to tell me? I think this is the one and only instance in all of Star Trek where it's pronounced this way. So, uh, thanks, random voice director. Right. Also, uh, is this the first <laughs> appearance of the Orions as, like, a species? Um, no? Well, no, because no? there was Orion slave girls in uh, the original series. Right. Who are presumably... And Gart banged them. Left and uh, yeah. right. <laughs> and... Top and bottom, and then sideways. Yeah, trail of battered vaginas in his wake. <laughs> with like, wait, with like panko crust, or what are we talking yes, about? Yes, what is that? Battered. Because <laughs> <laughs> sure, Kirk shoots out semen and breadcrumbs <laughs> because of the yeast. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, it's sorry, funny just... that you mentioned that because this episode does open with uh, an infectious disease ravaging the Enterprise. <laughs> Yes, space chlamydia. <laughs> yeah, they never explained what it was where it came from. Okay, okay, let's just go. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, uh, uh, science, new Academy of Science in Deneb 5, some bullshit. I don't know, I'm not really paying attention. Um, um. <laughs> yes, the whole ship has space chlamydia, but it's going to be A-OK. They've got yeah, it under control. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> So I thought this was interesting. So at one point they're like they're going to go to this uh, new science academy on Deneb Five, and they're going there as like a um, uh, 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 ambassadorial mission. 
Yeah, going there. And Kirk actually says says the lines like, "Oh, it'd be nice to be played the diplomat for once, won't it?" I'm like, "Really? Okay." <laughs> you can see him like loading his phaser, clip <laughs> into it. Yeah, the 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 joke is so bad, Spot goes unconscious because of it. <laughs> he just goes, "Dang it!" And then it falls over backwards. I love the dramatic, uh, like fast zoom in on Kirk's face. Then dun dun dun. And this whole sequence gets recycled in about ten minutes, too. Oh, God. Well, really the recycling animation in TAS? Are you sure? <laughs> All right, so choreosis is chlamydia, apparently. Uh, and with iron-based blood, it's no big deal. It's like chicken pox. But when you have copper-based blood, like a Vulcan, not to be racist, uh, but apparently it's really bad. I love the way McCoy explains that he's sort of excited to describing the science of it. With copper-based blood, he's going to die. Yeah, it's going to be rad. I get to watch it happen. Okay, so so they were all aware that this disease was, you know, being transmitted around the ship. And McCoy certainly was aware before Spock got infected that if Spock got infected, it would be fatal. Yeah. Would he? He doesn't know anything about Vulcan physiology. Well, he certainly yeah. figured out the copper-based blood thing pretty fast. Well, he could use that as an insult. <laughs> well, yeah, like all the time. Well, so he knew that Spock had copper-based blood. He didn't know the virus was going to do this because of it. Okay. I'm yeah, just I, thinking, like, there's kind of bad protocols in place here if the one person on the ship who can be fatally affected by this disease that they're just kind of like yeah it's no big deal well he's he's not the he's not the doctor for vulcans he has that other guy <laughs> maybe mccoy just thought his uh, the half human part of his blood to protect him right. <laughs> yeah his blood should be like you know christmasy it should be an alloy between <laughs> iron and copper. He's got bronze blood. I know that's not the actual alloy, people. Don't write in. Who would write uh, in? Like, Our audience you know, isn't literate. You're here no, I don't. I don't think you understand. Our audience, they sit at wooden tables with quills and inkwells to write letters. <laughs> Dear sir, madam, how dare you bring this up during the podcast? Right, Look, that's uh, way the hell too classy to characterize our audience. But you don't understand, though, they're sitting there in leather assless chaps with, like, a chicken on their head. So Way too classy to characterize our audience. <laughs> As they uh, flick the pork rinds off their sh- uh, stomach. Hi, Ken. Uh, yeah. The parchment comes stained with Cheeto dust. Okay, anyway. So apparently <laughs> they need this drug called strobulin, uh, which is on, then off, then on, then off really quickly. Um... And it's so space penicillin. Yes. Yeah, they need yes. space. They need space uh, to Well, cure... that makes sense too because they say it's a naturally occurring drug that they find on a few planets in the galaxy. So yeah, it's just some strain of mold that grows a few places. Right. Right. Like under Eric's armpits. Well, damn! They didn't go anywhere at all. Yeah, but they would involve touching Eric's. So fuck that guy. So Spock's so... gonna die in three days, but the closest supply is four days away. Yeah, but McCoy has like some synthetics. They are getting a whole lot of use out of that uh, scare cord. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Yeah, and this one, the sting music. Oh, yeah. Hmm. They're using it even when it's not a stinger. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly dramatic shot. Dun, dun, dun. Change camera angle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's definitely the Tarblift Bridge. Dun dun dun. 
extreme close up to like Kirk's eyeball, <laughs> flesh colored eyeball. So, uh, they actually have a good idea of let's just have another ship like bring it to us. We can meet halfway. That will cut out the, the travel time. Right. Which actually makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. That's a that's yeah. A good thing. I, I I was expecting. Scotty to bullshit something. But no, they just use oh. common sense. <laughs> How boring. The all greatest right. bullshit of all was common sense. <laughs> yeah, so they pulled Spock down into Kirk's room and he's like, yeah, you're going to be sick and you might die, so, you know, you don't have to work anymore. And Spock's like, no, I'll work, it's fine. Okay. That was a fun scene. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Anything to keep his mind off of his eventual death. Right, yeah, because apparently this works like mad cow disease, where, like, he'll, like, slowly suffocate and go crazy. That's not how mad cow disease works at all, Scott. No, they said it's like he's just suffocating. Yeah. Which right, is so, pretty horrible. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's not even exactly suffocating, because, like, yeah, if he can take air into his lungs all he wants to, but his blood is just progressively losing its ability to oxygenate. So no matter how much he gasps for breath, he will still lose brain function and die. So it's actually even more horrible. This is Andy, a, this can, is a, Andy can express his... Andy can express how he's feeling. And this is a children's cartoon. So I, 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 Now that you mentioned that, I like that Like when McCoy's explaining the whole thing that's going on, uh, how the disease blocks the copper-based blood cells from uh, taking up oxygen, and Kirk's like, you mean he'll suffocate? Yes, Jim, he'll suffocate. <laughs> Air means breathing means suffocate. <laughs> so this is why you went into command and not the sciences. <laughs> I get it now. Science division, Kirk. I <laughs> uh, phaser the virus. Don't relent. No, that's no, no. <laughs> I karate chop the virus until it relents. I fuck the virus until it relents. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Seems to be winning. How does this happen? <laughs> so they're going to meet up with the USS Huron. Uh, no, uh, no. it's it, This is clearly the USS Nostromo. Uh, yeah, because that is one fucked up looking ship, and the little uh, the little uh, chevron symbol inside the nacelle actually blinks and glows, which is kind of yeah. weird looking. And it's uh, Constitution class nacelles. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, they're modular. You can plug them on anything. I mean, what why not? <laughs> All right, so we got Captain Beardo. <laughs> And apparently the only two other people on this fucking ship. So this is a crew of three on this ship. And it's apparently a dilithium hauler, which is, I think, interesting. And This the is the most just... whalen yutani fucking ship and crew. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know one of them is an android that doesn't know that they're an android. Uh, like, that's the if they would just fall procedure, <laughs> none of this right. bullshit would have happened. <laughs> uh... So yeah, he's like he's like he picked up the medicine. They're gonna meet halfway, and he's just looking forward to going back to hauling dilithium because that's his that's his career in Starfleet. He's got a uniform and everything, and that's all he does is haul dilithium back and forth. Well, he's and, personally fulfilling. And I like how they went ahead and made uh, new uh, emblem patches. Yeah, which I thought was cool because back back in the TOS era, each ship had their own symbol, yeah. which is cool. 
No, it's not cool. It's dumb. <laughs> it's always been dumb. And the alternate really? des- designs have always been awful looking. Oh, I kind of like some of them. Well, look, I, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. That way you know what ship they're from. Right. Why would that even be a thing? <laughs> well, no, because, like, in the real world, uh, military uniforms can have, like, patches that show what unit you're part of. So, I mean, I guess that's yeah. supposed to be analogous to that. It just looks stupid. <laughs> I like some of them. All right, no, no, so... see, that's the thing. Like, if the sleeves had a patch that bared some specific insignia for the ship they were attached to, that'd be one thing, but still had the standard Starfleet, uh, yes, Starburst that, insignia. That would be deal. fine, as long as the patch didn't look fucking awful. Well, it would because TOS art department, but that's not really the point. Yes. The point is, think, the, the point the most... is minutia of costume design. Right, and the most beautiful, elegant designs came out of the 60s. I think we all know that. <laughs> they needed to they, no. They needed to have hired some like Art Deco person who was like really into the '40s style with all the rounded stuff. Well, they didn't get to that until the uh, Excelsior class. But when they did, it was beautiful. The Excel- uh, speaking the of beautiful, Excelsior is a fine ship. It, it really is. That's why they used um, them for 85 years. It's a good workhorse. It was too pretty to let go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like that girl in my basement. So they're on the bridge <laughs> of the Huron, and. Does your the, wife know about her? Shut your mouth. <laughs> so the, the coolest looking spaceship I've ever seen in Star Trek slides into view. Oh my god, this thing is hovering like a so... vast predatory bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This thing is so rad looking. It's like all red and yellow and angular and it's like it's like a Romulan and a Klingon fucked, and this is the ship they designed. But Klingons never had red ships. Yeah, but it's just a half-breed. It's just so I awesome. Think it's and Romulans didn't like, have red ships either. It's just like one of those filmation flying dragons without a head on it. Yeah. Bone. Bone. That's really? probably another auto dealership calling me. <laughs> Would you like someone a car? Gave my, someone gave my phone number to them while looking for, like, a Jeep Cherokee or something, and... I've been getting calls from all sorts of car dealerships. Wow, I wonder whoever would do something like that for it. Yeah. It just boggles the mind. <laughs> you have yeah, a very strange your... life. <laughs> you could just give away your phone number like that to spammy call centers. Yeah, hmm. I, I know. It's just, I, I can't, I, can't uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's got to be pretty annoying though, right? Yeah, I'm sure you just you do something to deserve it. Anyway, so <laughs> back on the Enterprise. I'm on the show. <laughs> no, I think this show is also something that you did something to deserve. Yeah, I like to believe that when I'm doing this show, it's actually purgatory, and I'm paying some sort of penance. <laughs> You're balancing your karma by being here. Right, exactly. I'm getting out of something far worse by doing this. Remember remember um, the Space Irish episode when dude said, you know, every moment of pleasure is repaid with an equal moment of pain? Right. Well, for two hours every Monday, you're paying off two better hours somewhere else in the week. Or, you know, maybe like seven or eight slightly less bad hours. The exchange doesn't have to be completely one-to-one. Uh, so anyway, on the Enterprise... <laughs> Yes, and this is his reward. Oh, moving on. No, we don't do that here, Scott. 
So McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> this animated series is going to take us two hours to get through this terrible episode. Like I said, two hours on a Monday night. Uh, I'm making it come true, Scott. <laughs> All right. All right. So McCoy tries to make Spock feel better as he's laying on the sick bay bed, going, "Ah, it's fine." And Spock's like, "Shut your fucking pie hole! I'm gonna die." And McCoy's like, "Well, fine then. You're gonna die, bitch." And Kurt and Spock's like, "Oh, that's better." Something like that. So anyway, he pumps him full of the synthetic uh, medicine stuff, and then Spock flatlines. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I saw everything go flatline on the screen. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, no, that's a good thing for some reason. So apparently the disease has its own EKG. It's very smart chlamydia. Ah, uh, anyway. And Spot just gets up and walks out. And then the nurse goes over and goes, the drug's not working anymore, is it? And McCoy's like, nope, I just pumped him full of sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> but I sure made him feel better, didn't it? You placebo bastard. <laughs> See, that must be smart chlamydia because it's tangled with Kirk so many times in its existence. It's had to evolve to survive. Yeah. All right, so back on the Huron. It's like the its hairy cool... mud of chlamydia. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> now, if you ever had chlamydia, it is a bit like hairy mud. <laughs> <laughs> So back on the Huron, we have the uh, crew of three going, oh shit, the ship's still here. My beard will protect us. <laughs> Which it, it isn't, though. So they're trying to hail this ship that's on an intercept course. It's not uh, doing anything. And the captain quickly realizes, oh crap, we have a hole full of dilithium. We're sitting ducks. Which leads me to wonder, why is a dilithium hauler defenseless? <laughs> It's like the most viable substance in the galaxy, and it's just like, no, we'll just load it up and send it out. It's fine. So you're saying Garrix is the one behind this? Maybe. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so they finally, the alien ship finally hails them and says, we're the Borg, uh, you will be boarded, and your technology will be assimilated or some shit. Oh, Don't. they didn't want the dilithium after all. Yeah, apparently... Alright, so whatever. So back on the Enterprise, they go, hey, we just got an emergency signal from the Huron saying, uh, they're being attacked and we need to hurry. See, now, one of the logical flaws with this episode is as soon as that mysterious ship started tailing the the, the lithium hauler, they should have probably been hailing the Enterprise to, like, come and rendezvous with them as soon as possible. Yeah. Before they knew if there was actually a problem or not. Yeah. But that would have made sense. But I, the only thing I can always think of is in TOS, these crazy decisions they make is because it was the Wild West of space. And, like, every ship had its own insignia, so everyone would just kind of do whatever they wanted. It was the 60s, man. I don't know. So Spock is so overcome with this terrible news that he faints again. Ugh. So back down in sick base, back on the table. And McCoy's just yelling curses in his face. That's not going to make him feel better, Doc. Oh, boy. Then we have this lovely view of the Huron sliding past the front of the Enterprise. And I'm not really sure what happens in the next couple scenes because there's this orange blob on the screen that I can't stand listening to. So... <laughs> Anybody wants to talk about what that asshole is it, said? Is it, is it Trump? <laughs> oh, you know he bleaches his asshole. 
well, all as white people, as the fallen snow. All class of people bleach their asshole. You need to color match your butthole. Yeah. All right, so whatever. The Huron's there. It's derelict. They uh, beam aboard. Life support systems are barely operational. They get on the bridge. Everyone's all passed out. One of them needs surgery because reasons? It was a pre-existing well, condition. It's just coincidental. Well, his upper body is now it's part of insurance. <laughs> uh, so yes they took everything in the hold so apparently the ship was big enough to take everything that a lithium hauler carries one of my favorite lines in this scene that was because yeah, Kirk's going okay you do this you do that you do this and it's all pretty interesting and uh, because of her as a communications officer he goes you know get the tapes try to figure out what happened and she goes yeah I'll take the tapes back to the Enterprise when I just the, the image of that these plastic tapes. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, and the captain's name? Beardo? O'Shea. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know, right? There's got to be... Is there like a memory beta on him? There's got to be, right? <laughs> hmm. I bet he's like in novels and stuff. He's like the most illustrious career. So, Captain O'Shea had no idea who they were. The intruders came on board, stole everything. Ugh. Whatever. So, apparently, they've never seen this ship design before. No one knows what species it is, who they came from, or anything. But they can track it, so they start following it. Oh, by the way, uh, they also took the medicine that was for Spock. So, there's the plot of the episode being moved forward, in case anybody was wondering. Because who, who cared about the dilithium? Yeah. They can just recrystallize what they got, right? Sure. Not yet. Now, when did they do that? When did, when did Scotty figure out how to recrystallize the lithium? Oh, well. Uh, well, Kurt goes down to sick bay and starts telling uh, uh, McCoy the good news. Oh, we're following the ship that has the medicine. And McCoy's immediately like, why do you even know it's the right one, dumbass? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing. I took a few pills of it. It's good. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tastes like lime. It's weird. All okay, right, so uh, memory beta doesn't really have any like additional backstory or anything, but it yeah. does have a first name. Oh, wow! Well, and check this out. Oh, what a beautiful beard! <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> His name is Zvinquist. Svinquist. Svinquist so, O'Shea. So he's Swedish and Irish. <laughs> half chocolate, half Mexican. I don't know. <laughs> half Swedish, half Asian. Whoa, no, wait a second. This episode was novelized? Yes, because needing a thing, going to a thing, someone took the thing and then getting the thing back, that is an entire novel's worth of plot right there. Oh my god, it is a novelization. Sweet Jesus. No. Apparently. All right. All right. That was by Ellen Dean Foster, too. Who could have guessed? <laughs> uh, also included is the, the Ambergris element and the Jihad. Oh, Jihad. All right, so they're still following the Ion Trail or whatever from the alien ship. Uh, it's starting to fade slightly. So at this point, Kurt goes, let's bump it up to warp eight. 
Why weren't you going warp eight to begin with? Bad for the engines. Spock's dying. Bad for the engines. Oh. So it's like, oh yeah, we'll go and just like, you know, put it in fifth gear since we have to get there in a hurry now. And then they go to the asteroid field full of crunch berries and they look delicious. <laughs> Oh, my God. These are the most delicious-looking asteroids I've ever seen. They're, like, all blue and red. And... I want to put them in milk. Well, be careful. If you do, they'll explode. Yeah, apparently these, these if they touch one another, they blow up. Or because... anything else. Or anything else, yeah. They're just uh, <clears throat> composed of a highly unstable mineral combination. They're composed of snapping pops. Right. Although I do think it's interesting, oh, this, this, this is this is the this is the natural place in the universe where pop rocks come from. Yeah, the pop rock mines of Tau Ceti Alpha Four. Well, you know the packaging uh, always has the space background on it. So yeah. Oh my God, you're right. So you know, I, I like bet Duck S- Dodgers had to once go on an urgent mission here. Probably. I like how Scotty's immediately like, "Oh, if we could only harness their power." See, there's a practical engineer for you. Yes, he wants to use bombs as, you know, gasoline. Okay, so, huh, apparently... gasoline is, exactly. <laughs> well, apparently in the series of uh, of those uh, animated series adaptations, there was one that uh, was just the adaptation of the slaver weapon, which I assume was the soft weapon with the uh, yes. name swapped out. <laughs> well, yeah, because that was a short story before it was even in yeah. Star Trek. So that poor story has been around. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's the your mom words. of sci-fi short stories. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> All right, so they're kind of fumbling through the uh, the asteroid field, letting the asteroids blow up at the edge of their shields, when suddenly another weak-ass Cardassian freighter phaser hits them. Is <laughs> <laughs> it a diffused, low-quality beam? Uh, our deflectors can stop them. So at which point, now... Eric's. Boy, that, that freighter with the dilithium certainly seems more and more unsuitable for its job, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, so Eric's, the little fucker, uh, goes, oh, I-, I recognize that. It's Orion. To which everyone goes, you mean... Orion. You mean Orion? <laughs> He's like, oh, it's Orion. And everyone just kind of shrugs and goes, oh, fine, whatever, let's just move on. <laughs> Orion, we'll fucking say Orion and it makes Eric's happy. You piece of shit, alien. Really, this, this should be, like, his best day ever. They even let him stand in Spock's place and look at oh. his, look in his sensor scope. Right, you know, it's... All right, so... So the view screen comes on. <laughs> and Hydra rejects from the 60s. No, it's Galactus's younger brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah, their eyes are kind of cool looking. But they had blue skin. Who else had blue skin? Oh, the Kree? Was it the Kree? The Kree? Yeah. Creed. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. Okay, so these two Orion dorks. Orion. Orion dorks who <laughs> stole their parents' spaceship. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're neutral. Um, Yeah, you shouldn't be shooting at us. And Chris like, you shot at us first, dick. Yes, but we so didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, there's this big fucking thing about how the Orions are have been neutral to the Federation, and it's a delicate balance, and they don't want to keep their neutrality. And it's a delicate balance dirt. of lies that another side b- believes. <laughs> well, that's yeah. you know that's diplomatic relations for you, Mickey. Yeah, no, baby, I ain't seen anybody else. It's just you, baby. No, it's fine, baby. It's okay. I love you, just you. 
Like having a conversation with dumb Romulans. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't hail you. Um, Yes, you did. You're on our view screen. I don't know what you're talking about. No, we're not. Half password, (laughs) half Romulan. So Kirk just kind of cuts the chase. He's like, look, we know you took the shit. All I want is the medicine. Keep the dilithium. We'll even give you some of ours. Just give us the medicine. And we'll go. This won't even be in my logs. You get everything you want. Just give me the medicine. That's all I want. And the Orions are like, hmm, we get everything we want? And we get even more dilithium? Huh, I don't know. I got to think about it. (laughs) Even though they're in no position to argue that the Enterprise could destroy them in a blast, that's their response. These people are fucking idiots. Yeah. Spock's gonna, Spock's gonna die in less than an hour. Well, they got plenty of time then. The episode's only 22 minutes long. <laughs> right, and we're already like six years into it, so. <laughs> oh my god. So these Orions are just like, no, it would require us to trust you, and we can't do that, so we should do a face to face exchange where we have every advantage in the trap. I mean, down on an asteroid blubber. So this guy wants to hand Kirk the drug personally on an explosive asteroid that if anything touches it, it blows up and they want to stand on it. Yeah. Just, okay, I'm not alone on that, right? Okay, I guess so. All right. Kirk wisely surmises this could be a trap. But we got to stay this Spock. Yeah, McCoy's like, I'm sorry, he's going to go, well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> You know what else I can't cure? Stupid. All right, so basically he's just like, okay, look, if anything happens, beam me up immediately. Bloody, bloody, bloody. Got to do whatever we can to save Spock. Meanwhile, the <laughs> the uh, Orions are having their own conversation. Look, there's yeah. no way for us to win this, so we have to kill ourselves and take them with to preserve <laughs> the preserve the diplomatic status of our people. <laughs> Yes, at this point, even I was like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Yeah, yeah, I like how the second in command Orion's he- uh, helmet looks like a penis. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, except for exactly like a penis head. Like down to like, the, the ridge down the center of it, too. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, a perineum. Is that what it's called? Perineum? Yeah. I don't know if he has four to size spots on the underside of it. <laughs> One can hope. Pickled. <laughs> All right, so whatever. So they're trying to figure out how to get one over on the Enterprise and get out of here. And they're just bound and determined to destroy themselves. And he's just like, yeah, let's just, let's, he, the captain is just, is now like, okay, we're at, whatever plans we have, we're going to kill ourselves. That's like number one. First of all, suicide. I love that it's like, not even like for honor, like some kind of Klingon suicide or, or out of fear. It's like, yep, this is the right thing to do. We'll just do it. For diplomacy. Which is silly because the only thing the Enterprise wants is just the medicine. If they just hand it over, everything would be fine. But for some reason, that's but just. But that would oh. require the Orions to trust them, and they can't do that uh, because of diplomacy. That's another thing. Is like, how do species like this like exist? How do they evolve <laughs> to this point that they're humanoid? Because if they're this fucking stupid and their culture is this wackadoodle, like, how do they even get to this point? The Orions are just lemmings. Yeah, apparently they must breed like crazy to keep their numbers up. That makes sense, actually, because, you know, the Orion slave girls and everything. I want to buy the soda, but I have to trust you by handing you my money first before I get the soda. 
I will kill you and then myself. <laughs> it's part of the transaction. <clears throat> it certainly alleviates exactly. the need for the soda then, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. All right, so they beam down to the surface of this apparently explosive asteroid with their uh, their life support belt glow things on, which is neat. Okay, Eric's 15 minutes later, goes, oh, there's dilithium down there. I think it's a bomb. To which Scotty goes, what, really? Okay, we'll just beam it up. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that was easy. All unsuccessful Orion missions end in suicide. <laughs> Good luck with that. And then we get the sexiest dance I've ever seen between Kirk and an Orion man. Oh, my God. They're going to town. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. All right. So Scotty orders the transfer chief to beam them up. Um, <laughs> Kirk's running towards the guy and then mounts him again. <laughs> I mean, that's that, you can't tell me that's not a sign of dominance right there. It's Kirk. Of course it is. Yeah. So every, every the movement captain. Kirk makes in his day-to-day life is carefully calculated to assert his dominance over everyone else. Yeah. All right. So the lieutenant's now in the captain's chair on the Orion ship, who immediately goes, oh, crap, he's captured. All right, start self-destruct sequence. <laughs> <laughs> they pull the captured Orion up to the bridge for some reason, because that's what you do with dangerous prisoners. Uh, he takes out a little Xanax pill and is about to pop it, and they stop him from doing that. I mean, these guys are like lemmings. You can't keep them from killing themselves. <laughs> Scott, one Xanax won't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So Kirk's just like, whatever, you're going to stay alive, you're going to be tried, the neutrality's over, Orion is going to be fucked by the by the Federation. Cause yeah, I like Kirk's over. approach here. Yeah, your ship can blow up all at once, too, but you're still going to be alive. Mm-hmm. We'll put you testify. on trial. It's going to be all your fault, personally. Yep. Which is a fate worse than death for this Orion, apparently. So they take the entire Orion crew prisoner. Everyone on their ship. So they get the dilithium, they get the medicine, they give it a Spock. Now they're going to take all these prisoners to that Deneb 5 planet for the symposium. Then we come back down to sick bay where Spock is now hale and hearty again. And he and McCoy are bickering like an old married couple again. Just fuck you two. Get it over with. Say it. No. Say it. No. Say it. <laughs> no. You can tell this episode was written by a 19-year-old. <laughs> Oh, my God. The the rictus of fear that appears when they try to laugh? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> it looks like the flesh is trying to escape the front of their face. So they all have a hearty chuckle and everything's fine. That's the end of the episode. Oh, my God. Do we ever have to do this again? Yes, Scott. Yes. You have to do it again right now. God damn it. And this episode's even weirder than the last one. This episode is so weird. Oh, yeah. my God. Now, <clears throat> I do remember this one from when I was a kid in the 80s watching this on, like, Nickelodeon or something. The I only do one remember... I remember from that time frame was the Infinite Vulcan. Really? Yeah. I remember, I remember Bim. I remember seeing his head float off and going, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> and for a six-year-old, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. Also profane. Right, so, uh, well, yeah. Well. All right, so that I, must be I why you were this... homeschooled. <laughs> Your child curses too much. We can't let him around the other children. And my, of course, my parents were like, the fuck you say? 
fuck you mean he curses too much? Fuck you. You must either homeschool him or wire his mouth shut. Joke was on them, though. They did both. (laughs) Right. Well, it wasn't really a wiring. It was more like a muzzle. (laughs) Um, They had it bronze, like my baby shoes. I got it up on my mantle. Anyway. (laughs) All right, so... And sometimes your wife gets it down for you. (laughs) Uh, Not tonight, honey. I'm tired. All right. Um... So episode two of season two, Bim. Which sounds like something a chef says when he throws <laughs> spices into a pot. So apparently the term Bim is the abbreviation for... Bug-eyed a, monster. Yeah, another term they came up with during Star Trek. Oh my god, that's right. I never made that connection. So there you All go. Right. So the, the premise is, <clears throat> as we're moving forward, and they all this is exposition and voiceover. In the first few seconds of the episode. Ah, voiceovers are good, though, because it saves them having to animate uh, mouth movements. Right. So oh, please. A... They don't actually have to animate them. They already drew them ages ago. Okay, it, it saves them from having to, uh, you know, sequentially place those elements over the cells. All right, so there's a newly discovered uh, species the Federation's run into. This is a, like a member of that species, the honorary commander, Ari B.N. Bim. And he's from planet Garo. Insert your own joke here. Oh, he is from the Garo Seven system. Pandro. He's from the planet Pandro. Ah, yes. Which is weird because you'd think that the system would be named after the uh, habitable planet or the star. But uh, whatever. Moving on. Um, all right. So no, someone, someone just like their Toku. It was named by someone who like bought a star system on Earth <laughs> thousands of years ago. Right. I'm going to All right, so they've taken up orbit around Delta Theta 3, which is a green smudge in space, but it is apparently M-class. Well, you can tell because it's green. Uh, yeah, because that's what planets look like. You can tell because they can beam down to it. Yeah. Green, is, green is the color of M. <laughs> M&Ms. All right, so it's M-class. It's a primitive planet. There are, some, yeah, okay. uh, basically... are you sure it's a planet or not just a slightly crumpled uh, sheet of paper? I, it looks like construction paper. I think you're right. <laughs> it's like some animation from the first season of South Park snuck into this episode. All right. So apparently there's primitives down there, which they call Aborigines, which is that offensive now? I don't even know. Um, Slightly. I guess. All right. So they're going to go to the there and just check it out. Uh, it's dangerous. It's a first contact situation. They're all in the, No, it's not a first contact. I'm going to take that back. They're just going to set down some recording devices to watch people remotely, secretively, to watch how this culture uh, progresses. That's all they're going to do. They're going to put down a giant sh- uh, station that's concealed within a hologram. Yeah. To watch yes. Some, a duck blind, if you will. Right, That never right. goes wrong. No, no. I mean, they're high-tech, advanced societies. I mean, they've got this perfected, right? So, Bim, who... <laughs> God, he looks like a fish mixed with the Grinch. A Grinch. Is like, I want to go with you. And this is so fucking weird. This is such a weird episode. Kirk's like, well, you're here to be an observer, but for the past six missions, you've stayed in your quarters and haven't come out. Now I'm going to go down to this Those planet. Those missions were boring. Want- now you want to go. It's like, this is a very dangerous mission. Those missions were like, well, this mission didn't involve leaving the ship at all. 
Uh, well, those missions didn't involve leaving the ship at all. Like last week, when you were going on this thing to this planet, then ended up getting sidetracked when everyone got space chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there, and I approve. Um, <laughs> so Kirk is is very going. Look, this isn't a joyride. This isn't for fun. This is like a serious mission. This is possible prime directive kind of shit. I don't want you going. You're gonna fuck it up. And Ben's like, no, that's why I want to go is because you don't want me to. <laughs> you prick. Uh, so Kurt finally relents goes, okay, fine. You want to observe? Come observe, douche. Just don't get in the way. I mean, immediately this guy's an asshole. A green, fishy, grinchy asshole. <laughs> now imagine him and Derek's having a kid. How about you go to hell? <laughs> Are you sure I'm not already there? Uh, are you sure just... we're all not already there? I, I think we are. Okay, so is... between them and Eric's, who lays the egg? Oh my god. <laughs> Both going. <laughs> well, all right, so this is positor. No, stop with the yeah. Oh, that what Eric's third arm is for? An ovipositor onto his croacus. <laughs> All right, so this is weird. So they're getting ready to transport down. Ben was already down in the transporter room going, oh, I went ahead and put in the coordinates for the transporter. Don't worry about it. It's cool. To which Scotty's like, um, don't touch my shit, but okay. And it everything looks good? Yeah, I guess everything's fine. So they beam down, the, uh, the five of them. Ship shot. Stalling for time. Like, literally, just ship shot. So... Three year, yeah, three of the crew are on a cliff face. Other two land in some water as a lake. Bim is one of the ones who lands on land, uh, and then immediately jumps into the water. Okay. <laughs> and says, assistance is offered. All right, and then this is where shit gets real. Under the water shot, we see Bim's lower torso, his hips down, disconnect from his body. <laughs> And it walks over, and green arms pop out of the top. That's not even a plot element. That's just filmation screw up. What? And then it it pickpockets Kirk and Spock. And takes their phasers and tricorders and, and (coughs) I mean, phasers and communicators and replaces them with lookalikes. And then walks back over and reconnects to Bim's upper body. What the hell? So they get back on land. Perfectly dry, I might add. Uh, and Kirk's admonishes and is like, don't ever tr- touch the transporter again. How this guy hasn't been arrested for like a, like messing with Federation technology, I just don't even know. Because he stayed in his room for the last six weeks. <sighs> because he's so unsettling, no one wants to get near him. <laughs> Apparently. Arrest him. Ugh, I don't want to. All right, so I do like this episode because Hura is actually useful in it. And she's up in the... Shit, basically, kind of running the show now. She's like, "Look, well, here's some yeah, I'm Scotty. Well, yeah, I'm the three people who outrank her are down uh, on the planet. So, yeah, I like to point out everything on the ship is fine. <laughs> so she's like, "There's some weird shit happening a couple kilometers away from you. Go check it out." Okay, ship shot, stalling for time. Oh, look, a ship shot. <laughs> oh, look, Enterprise. All right, whatever. So Spock and his infinite wisdom goes, oh, there might be intelligent life. Let's go check out these weird things before we know what's going on. Okay, let's go go look. Uh. 
On the other hand, this port I'm drinking is very good. I guess it's really sweet. It's really strong, really dark amber color. really sticks to the side of the glass. Very good. Well, let's talk part where Bim separates his limbs like he's a member of the Fire Gang from Labyrinth. All right, we're, we're going there now. So they walk into a, a – uh, honestly, i got to say, this episode, the uh, the paintings and the backgrounds are beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the art in this episode is actually really exceptionally good. I don't know who, who what's different about this one, but it's awesome. So they walk into a, a jungle or some sort of rainforest. Uh, a troglodyte creature is spying them. And then Bim, being a dick, just runs off, just bolts for no reason. I think it's like Raptor Kirk said, okay, we need to stick together. So Ben Miller just runs off. Uh, runs into some really thick undergrowth, and his goddamn head pops off, floats away, along with his torso, both of his arms, and his legs. Uh, and they reconnect on the other side, and he just walks away. Am I taking ass? So weird. So fucking weird. So... Kirk's like, wait, he went this way, and I just saw him run by, but how did he get through all this? Oh, well, I guess we'll have to go around. So Kirk is like, this guy doesn't make any sense. And Spock very helpfully says, well, it doesn't make sense to you. Maybe he makes sense to others of his species. Thanks, Spock. Because, you know, as you know, logic is just subjective. <laughs> to Vulcans, it is. Uh, all right. So they come around the corner, and they say, Ben Spock, but not helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two plus two is four, sir. Thanks, Spock. You're right, as usual, not helpful. <laughs> Mariposa is Spanish for butterfly. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> so, so Ben's standing there surrounded by troglodytes, uh, the lizard kind from D&D, not like the caveman kind, uh, and just standing there like a twat. All right, back up on the ship, Eric's is like, um, I can't seem to find them. Uh, I have a whole planet to search. I don't know where they went. To which I'm thinking, you knew where they beamed down. How far could they go on foot in a forest? You have kind of an area you can search, you dink. I hate him so much. <laughs> All right, so they're trying to contact the captain. It's not picking up. Uh, and it's almost as if the, uh, the transponder has been disconnected. Uh, but they're still picking up weird energy readings from that anomaly. Uh, Scotty and and, and uh, Sula are like, we don't know where the fuck they went. They just ran off like jerks. So they're like, all right, fuck them. We'll just beam up. So Scotty and Sula just beam back up to the ship. <laughs> Scotty goes, I'd rather not. Let's not leave him down here. Ohura lays the smack down on him and goes, no, you're going to get your white ass back up here because I said so. And Scotty goes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> like, seriously, just like, oh, sorry. Yep. All right. So, Kirk and Spock are still watching Bim being uh, captured by the troglodytes. So, Kirk's like, well, fuck it. We'll just beam up. This is a disaster. Let's just get the hell out of here. Picks up his, his communicator, which, of course, doesn't work. Yeah, someone replaced it with the prop. Yeah. No, the Playmates toy. <laughs> yeah. What the hell's a Playmates? Oh, this is Miss July. I know her. Why? Why does this say Star Trek? <laughs> what the hell is a Star Trek? <laughs> fuck is a Hasbro? I guess that's better than a Has Not Bro. All right, so they try their phasers, and the phasers don't work either. Yeah, and the spot goes, "Yep, these are fake." Stunning revelation there, Spock. Yeah, but not helpful. You're on fire this week. 
<laughs> speaking At least of your groin is because yeah. Speaking chlamydia. of fire, how's that chlamydia treating you? Uh, all right. So also, Scott, talking... I left you something in the Skype chat. <laughs> yeah, I hate you. Not that. <laughs> posting pictures of Eric's in the fucking Skype chat. So I can have to look. He's glaring at me. All right, so Spock's just like, let Bim go. Fuck him. And Kirk's like, no, no, we got to follow him because we might not be able to find him again. So they come around the corner and they see this troglodyte village. And they say, okay, well, they're about Stone Age. They're getting out of the Stone Age. They're building huts and they're learning agriculture. So they're actually advancing pretty quick from what we know of these people. Bim is just standing like a jerk in the middle of that cage. Kirk and Spock, under the cover of night, come in and start to free him. And Bim's like, what are you doing? He's like, we're trying to rescue you. Mm, you suck. I'm not going anywhere, but we're rescuing you. Let's go. It's like, no, I don't think so. I'm good. The troglodytes quickly find them and and off camera put them in cages too. Which leads to one of the best exchanges ever. Absolutely it is. <laughs> Where the shark Kirk. completely breaks through the fourth wall. <laughs> How come we always end up like this? Like, I what that's <laughs> Spock, I assume that's a rhetorical question, Captain. Glares at writers. Oh, not requiring an answer. <laughs> Kurt responds, I was just expressing my curiosity at our ability to get into these kinds of situations. And Spock, strangely, and even, even, even my wife was like, really? That's something Spock would say? Spock responds, fate, Captain. Fate. <laughs> and Kirk's like, fate, Spock? <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's the correct Earth term. Why don't you try uh, your Vulcan nerve pinch? <laughs> on the cage? No, on yourself, Spock. Yeah, Captain, I am only a Vulcan. There are limits. <laughs> All right. That, that, that whole dialogue just screams to the writer saying, nobody fucking cares. Just, just we, only have five, we only have five episodes left. I'm contracted to write this bullshit. So this mm-hmm. episode was actually written as a script for the first season, so figure that one out. No and one the, and the story concept for this was one of the unused ones from season three of the original series. Oh, Gee, well, I wonder good. why. <laughs> I would love to have seen how Bim would have worked in live action. Horribly. <laughs> Terrifying. All right, so Kirk's like, sorry, Bim, we tried to rescue you and we failed, my bad. <laughs> and then Bim starts giving him shit. <laughs> yeah, you really fucked this up, didn't you, Kirk? I thought you were the Federation's best captain. You're an idiot. Fuck you. You failed at everything you've attempted. Your mother didn't love you, and your dad's probably should be dead. I mean, Depending probably on the continuity. A, yeah, probably on an alternate dimension, your dad's dead because you're a loser. To which Kirk is like, oh, no, you don't. You did not just say that to me. And then just unloads on Bim going, look, you fucked this up. You did this intentionally. You're screwing things up, and I'm trying to save us, and you're not making it any better. So Bim is just like, oh, you want your communicators and your phasers? You think that's going to help you? Here. <laughs> so weird. And he disconnects his legs and walks through the cage to hand them to them. Right. To which Kurt goes, why haven't you escaped? <laughs> And Bim's like, I just wanted to observe if you could save me or not. <laughs> How... This is the most frustrating alien. <laughs> How Kurt has not wrapped his hands around his floating neck. Yeah, it wouldn't help. 
But that could just separate and be fine. So my question is, like, Bim, is it like a uh, the thing kind of thing? Reach cell is its own little creature that lives as a colony? Or is it like that discrete entity? Like its head and its arms and all that stuff? Because it could be interesting. Oh, well. So Bim is still giving Kirk shit about not being able to save him. Kirk's like, I'm only in this mess because of you. You can escape whenever you want. You got us into this. And he puts him under arrest. <laughs> Which is funny to do to someone who's in a separate cage than you. <laughs> yes. By the way, other, you know, captured person, you're under arrest. <laughs> I yeah. agree. That's pretty much sums up the whole episode. All right, so back up We're with the bridge. We're joined now by Paladin. <sighs> Apologies. We are so, joined. We now join Paladin in already, already in progress. progress. <laughs> <laughs> Tim so Curry. Up on the ship, Uhura's like, oh, that weird energy pattern's kind of faded. That's strange. I wonder where it went. Uh, and then Scotty makes a Loch Ness monster reference. Okay. Interesting. So Kirk, Spock, and Bim are out of their cages because now he has a fucking phaser. So uh, let's cheese it. And he sets his phaser stun and says, fuck it, we're taking these bitches out with us. <laughs> I love how these cavemen don't even speak. They just growl in unison. Grr. All right. So energy cloud intelligence number 647 appears. Puts them in stasis and starts talking to them. Sounds suspiciously like Uhura, if you ask me. So puts them in stasis where they it can't move, and the Uhura. first instruction it gives them is, put your weapons away. Right, right. Well, the same thing as a cop going, put your hands up, put your weapon down, freeze, do this. <laughs> All at the same time. All right. So Kirk's like, look, dude, we just want to leave. Bim is fucking things up. Uh, we just want to go. And the entity's like, well, you came down to this planet and you started fucking with shit, so I don't really believe you. Well, because Kirk goes into too much detail mode, like, we're here to study and classify, and that doesn't really seem to go over very well. <laughs> right, yeah. The intelligence is like, who gave you the right? Manifest destiny. Right, yeah. Fate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're talking Vulcans. <laughs> All right, so the entity's like, look, these creatures are my children. They're going to do their own thing. You're interfering in my stuff, so we're getting out of here. So the troglodytes grab Kirk and Spock and are probably about to murder them, and Bim gives the creepiest smile. It's like a Denobulan smile. It's terrifying. <laughs> so I hope maybe one person got that. Group. And also badly animated. Oh, well, of course. All right, so this is the point where Eric's is like, oh, I found some life readings that could be Kirk and could be Spock, but I don't know, but it could be, but it might not be. I don't know. I'm completely useless, and someone should shoot me and kill me. Ah! <laughs> even even Scotty's had enough of this shit. And he says, I think he said maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but true to form, Scotty has a solution to this little problem. Phasers? Being down phasers? in mass with phaser rifles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck it, it's my planet now. <laughs> I'm going to do to you what the English did to my people. <laughs> All right, so we'll cut back down to the planet. Kirk, Spock, and Bim are back in the same cages. Minus their communicators and phasers because the energy being took them away. 
<sighs> so Kirk has really had just enough of this guy. He's like, the only reason I'm trying to do this is not because of you, because I hate you, but just to, you know, because I'm a part of the Federation, I want your planet to like us. To which, Bim just begins insulting him, going, oh, well, you're clearly inferior, and you should be eradicated in, from the universe in, like, you know, death camps or something. To which Kirk takes pretty well. <laughs> Bim then disassembles, walks out of the cage, and then fucking leaves. And wishes him luck. I'm bored now! <laughs> and he just walks off and leaves uh, Spock and Kirk in the cages to their fate. What a dick. So Spock knows the only way they're going to get out of this is go to the boss. What so a floating like, like, detachable dick. <laughs> <laughs> detachable penis. That was a fun song in the 90s. So Spock's like, look, we got to talk to the energy being about this and see if we can get out of this Tarko way out. Kirk's like, yeah, but how do we even summon it? And this is one of the things I'm like, really? So Spock's like, well, if I put two communicators together, maybe it'll make enough of a signal to get the creature's attention. Look, I'm going I'm to put the microphone on this one up to the speaker on the other one, and the feedback will be so loud and shrill and piercing and that the energy being will have no choice but to come and tell us to knock it off. Right, right. And then like we I'm, can reason with it. It's like, when right, it, yeah. It's I'm going to get the attention angry. of that cute girl who lives in the apartment below me, so I'm going to stomp on the ground so she has to come up here and tell me to shut up. No, do like the people who lived above us when we lived in a condo did and just, like, you know, play basketball in the hallways and slapjack in the living room and <laughs> flush an avocado down the toilet. Right. Slapjack is the best card game. <laughs> it's just an excuse to hit your friends. Yeah. Like you ever needed that. You provided plenty of reasons to hit you. Still does. Hey, just because that's a fair point doesn't mean you have to make it. All right, so so strangely, the, the, the 69ing uh, communicators works. <laughs> um, and the entity goes, oh, my bad, you're actually cool, all right. Um, okay. Kirk's like, look, we'll just want to go. Let's get out of here. And then she's like, okay, fine. Go, go. Don't come back. Go right now. And Kirk's like, well, well, actually, I kind of need the jerk we came with. I kind of need him. I don't see anybody. Yeah, yeah. This all-powerful entity is like, I don't know what you're talking about. But is like, okay, you can talk to your ship. Just get that guy out of here and leave. That's all I want you to do is to stop fucking with my shit and leave. That's it. Ugh. God. All right, so he calls up the Enterprise. Okay, here's what we're doing. Let's get out of here. But we can't leave without Bim. Yes, yeah, so after being directed by a highly powerful and potentially slightly malevolent energy creature to leave the planet immediately, he orders a security team be beamed down. Right. And gives them orders to stun anyone they find if they have to. Or wink, want to. Wink. Yeah. <laughs> we come in peace. Yeah. Shoot to kill. Exactly. Oh boy. All right. Whatever. The lightest possible stun. Okie dokie. Yeah, because beaming down an army of red shirts is not a not gonna harm anything. And I love how they all walk like goons. They all walk like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. What is up with that? Do they all have like scoliosis? Uh, no, they have filmation. <laughs> that's I hear that's terminal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they said there's no the amount truck. of space penicillin that'll cure that'll cure inflammation. 
All right, so the two of the troglodytes have a hold of Bim, who apparently just decided to not disassemble and get away. Uh, they get, Do not the, the disassemble. Get sad. <laughs> That's all I could think of this episode, too. It was Johnny Five. So they zap the troglodytes, they get scared, run away, and then now suddenly, for no reason, Bim suddenly has this huge change of heart where he starts like hating on himself. Oh, I'm such a failure. I've really screwed this up. Oh, what have I done? So the energy being comes back and goes... What did I just tell you? <laughs> I just told you don't be zapping my people and to leave. You beam down more dudes and you zap my people. What did I just say? So Kirk's like, okay, we got Bim. Let's get out of here. Fuck, let's go. And then finally, then he's like, yes. That's what I've been telling you. All right, so there's all this dialogue that goes on for like minutes that could be summed up in like one word, but whatever. All right, so what apparently word? Bim... Does Ben want to commit suicide? Because that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yes. He wants to dis- when- he wants to disassemble himself down to the point where he doesn't exist anymore. Oh God, we could only be so lucky. <laughs> His eyebrow cocks are dancing up and down though, which are really funny looking. It's like it's like two dicks sword fighting on his face. This is the mating dance of my people. <laughs> his forehead's gonna get pregnant. <laughs> He's going to look like a Ferengi. All right. So Bim suddenly, just apropos of nothing, has this remorse about his actions and wants to commit suicide. To which the entity goes, no, don't commit suicide. You've learned from your mistake, and that's what life's about. There's no, no. Moral... The whole point is if you kill yourself, you can't learn anything. Right. So why right. even bother? Right. So don't do it. You learned your lesson. That's what life's all about. Now get the fuck off my planet. Although it makes an interesting line about what is what is punishment but revenge. And intelligent beings don't need revenge. You only punish when you're trying to correct behavior. Okay, fine. Fair enough. That's a very hippie thing to say in the early 70s, but whatever. Okay, so my children are still primitive. i got to be here to guide them. And you can't off- be. Yeah, get, get the fuck off my planet. <laughs> okay. All right, so Kirk finally is like, let's get out of here. So he zaps a few more of the troglodytes laughing before he beams away. Ha ha ha. Beam. Chip shot. So Kirk's like, yeah, we'll just, you know, make sure we quarantine this plant so no one ever bothers it again. Any Federation vessel to approach. Other? Fine. Klingons? Totally fine. Well, they can't really control what the Klingons do, now can they? I could still put a warning beacon or something. Not that like they the, would listen like, to Yeah, it. exactly. The Klingons like the, would take that as a challenge. Right, which would the be Klingons awesome. The Klingons would take that as target practice. <laughs> From orbit. Yeah. No, it's fine. If any Klingons or anybody beams down, the energy cloud will just freeze them in place and, you know, let them be put into wooden cages. Right. It, it'll be totally cool. All right, so, yeah, they start talking about the moral implications of, like, this all-powerful being using these primitive people as, like, an experiment and how it's like a god versus, you know, mortals. Okay, well, that's a cute parallel. Thanks for the moral of the story. Uh, we've learned much. Have we? Have we learned much? <laughs> no. Yeah, I kind of feel like we hadn't. You know what we uh, learned? Okay. Ben's a dick. Yeah, Bim's a super mm-hmm. dick. Big old grinchy dick. All right, so at the end of that episode, hooray! Finally! <laughs> that was That's so right. weird. Yeah. 
apparently a lot of what's up with this episode is Gene Roddenberry insisting on additions and changes all throughout the scripting process. Really? We're pushing this one on Gene? Including the, uh, you know, all-powerful energy cloud thing was his idea entirely and was never even part of the original story concept. He, he really got a hard-on for, like, incorporeal intelligences, doesn't he? Apparently, yes. I wonder, I wonder if you ever masturbated where you had Major Barrett be in the other room and talk spookily. <laughs> that was like she, she kneels down at one heater vent and just talks into it in the next room. And... <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's headcanon now. Great. <laughs> Crap. Gene. Uh, Gene. Gene. <laughs> it's not Cyclops. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that was uh, two more episodes of the animated series down. And there's only uh, two left. So now we have uh, what, five and six from season two. Yeah, I think so. So sharper than a serpent's tooth and counterclock incident. I think sharper than a serpent's than a serpent's tooth is kind of a famous one. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Oh, okay. So many people talk about that one. I don't well, know. The serpents I mean, have it, very sharp. It's no, it's no infinite Vulcan. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> but what is? But well, yeah, really. I mean, what what else could be an infinite Vulcan but the infinite Vulcan, where the visuals have no idea what the script is doing and vice versa. <laughs> it's like two two different teams speaking two different languages from two different planets trying to figure it out. Yeah, as long as we're all agreed, the Infinite Vulcan is put the standout episode of the animated series. I mean, I still like what was it, even the title of the episode? Uh, Beyond the Far of the Star, the first episode. Because mm-hmm. that was also a really strong episode for like selling the concept of what the animated series can do that the original series couldn't. Right. Um, the Infinite Vulcan kind of stands out for this is a really weird idea that apparently was not actually written into the episode, but hey, there it is anyway. Right. Yeah, it's uh, you gotta play to the medium, you know? Yeah, exactly. Y- you really do. Infinite Vulcan will always stand out to me because that is the one episode I remember watching as a little kid on Nickelodeon mm. in the late 80s. The late 80s. Yeah, it would have been um, 89, probably, given where we were living at the time. Uh, so I think I was watching around, like, 85 and 86, mm. uh, a few years before. But also, I'm, like, a million years older than you are, so... Yeah, I, I wasn't Christine even... and Moose were still together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't they even were forming about... solid memories in 1985, so... <laughs> there was a couple of years in the 2000s, I wasn't, I wasn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fort Max, you were born in 1990 what? <laughs> 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 1990X. <laughs> yeah. Oh, same as Mega Man. <laughs> Fort Max is from Fist of the North Star? Oh, God, I hope not. We're all dead. <laughs> we don't know it yet. Yeah, we're already dead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, this is basically the Dark Souls of podcasts. <laughs> uh, 
Which all right. The leap from that just makes me think Mortal Podcast. <laughs> Podcast with a K, mind you. Something. Oh, I love it. Yes, Podcast. K P O D C A S T. The K is silent. All righty. So, um. What are we doing next week? Well, do we want to go ahead and commit to that episode I was talking about in the pre-show, or... I- I'm good with um, anything. Let's we'll confirm we can get uh, Lord Fontelroy back. I'm sorry, Lord what? <laughs> Lord Fontelroy. <laughs> well, let's see, oh, if we yes. can, let's see if we can uh, handle that right now. Honestly, he he's much more of a Farquad if you think about it. Ha-ha. Shrek puns. It's not a pun, it's a reference. Puns are references. Everybody Everybody loves references. Let's see if he's actually paying attention to Twitter. Well, one of his millions of bots probably is. (laughs) Look, if the bot wants to come on and do the podcast, I'm down with that too. That's what happened last time. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mariposa is Spanish for. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Stop! But yes, I have a special plan if we can get Russ back. Oh, is it's... that who we're talking about? Who do you think we were talking about? <laughs> Ken? <laughs> Paladin? Who else? Paladin wouldn't come on this show. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm sure he's not on there. But okay, so it just so it depends on whether or not we get Russ. It depends on what episode we're doing. Is what you're saying? Yeah, basically. Okay, so do we want to just like figure it we, out if offline? We can, if we can get Russ, we're going to do something horrible next week. If we can't, we will do something different that may also be horrible, but I don't really know yet because we haven't decided. Okay, well, do you want to go ahead and do the uh, the without Russ just in case? Well, anybody have any suggestions? Because that can always be the week afterward. Yeah, I, I let's stay away from Next Generation Deep Space Nine for a little bit since we've done a lot of that in the last couple months. Sure, sure. With no breaks. So I know we kept making references to Neelix not having lungs. We want to do that episode. Actually, if we're gonna do a Neelix episode, I'll do the one where he dies. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that episode is fucking dark. Yeah, it really is. Okay, what, it's, what is it's that? It's the bleakest Star Trek episode I think I've ever seen. See, that's the problem. I don't know Voyager well enough to be able to name specific episode titles oh, on the top of my uh, head. Oh, yeah. Uh, oil. Oil. Russ just said sure, so I guess we're doing oh. that next week. <laughs> okay, then. So our plan for next oh. week is the uh, Star Trek Voyager episode Worst Case Scenario, which is basically the description of the entire series. <laughs> And we will be joined once again by Lord Taco. Hooray! Maybe he'll be able to transfer your Wi-Fi networks, everybody. Let's see how well he handles Voyager, because I think he's mainly versed in Next Generation. Good, good. You know, it's still about people in the Federation on a spaceship doing stuff. So I think he'll be able. They're not in the Federation. They still are. Quadrant. 
not like within the borders. I mean, they're still part of the organization. You can be an American without being on American soil. Half the crew's not in the Federation. Well, they are now. They're wearing the uniform. That's all that matters. Don't argue with me. <laughs> but what other clothes do they have? Any clothes what they, they want because replicators? Thank you. You mean the, the ones the that rations. they can use? Like, Tom Paris had a Hawaiian shirt that he made on the ship. <laughs> he knitted it. I never understood why the replicators were rationed. They just need, like, generic matter to fill them up with. Yeah, they need deuterium. That's all they fucking need. No, but they need power to run, and that's power that can be used on other They have systems. a warp core! Uh, yeah, the whole thing with the, the replicator rationing is purely for dramatic effect. It makes no, 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 no. The whole sense. thing with the replicator rationing is to have a justification for a communal area of the mess hall. And Neelix. Basically, yeah. Um, no, if they would have said they were damaged... You know, all but like a few were damaged, and it's just, you know, you can't feed the entire crew in like three replicators in someone's quarters. That would make more sense to me. But just to say that it was rationing, rationing what? Energy? No. Matter? They have Fusard Ram scoops. They can get all the hydrogen they want. Fuck no, them. it is rationing energy. That Like, that was the whole thing. They had to conserve as much power as they could because no resupply stops. No star bases. They had to save all the energy for replicating infinite photon torpedoes. And shuttle crash. There you go. <laughs> I also like how, at the same time they came up with the provision of rationing the replicators, they also made a very distinct point to say that the holodeck power systems are incompatible with everything else on the ship, so they might as well just go ahead and use the holodecks normally. Bullshit. <clears throat> Bullshit. Like, that is actual dialogue that transpired in an episode. Bullshit. Now, what I would like to have seen, though, is they take out the Neuro gel packs and then cook those up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Tastes just... like sentience. <laughs> <laughs> well, only quasi sentience. You can imagine like Neelix dropping to a, bo- you know, a big old pot of boiling water, and it's like screaming like a lobster. <laughs> what are narrow gel packs? Oh, you don't know? Oh. I do not know. <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the uh, the high tech things they added to Voyager. So. The Intrepid class, being a long-range science vessel... Was it the entire uh, Intrepid class, or was, like, Voyager just one ship that was outfitted with that as, like, a prototype thing? No, it was all the Intrepid classes. Okay. Yeah, I think it was the the whole class was, that was part of it. So, basically, you have these these biochemical neural gel packs in the the computer systems and along the the panels and the walls and, like, Station Brothers, like, computer junctions. Basically, at some point... feeds it up, gives it more of an AI. Basically, at some point, Starfleet R&D decided that... To put uh, brains and stuff. Yeah, Eric's people really didn't have a use as officers, so they just went <laughs> to the planet and harvested everybody and scraped out the little bit of brain material on every one of them and put it in bags. And... Which was kind of like trying to make artichoke dip. Do you have any idea how many artichokes it takes to get the meat out of them? It's the same thing with Eric's <laughs> species. They're basically space artichokes. Also... Now, I can't believe no one's ever pointed this out before. I've never heard this before. But, okay, so they start putting kind of biochemical neural gel packs into their, into their, into their you know, physical metal and geranium machines. So they're trying to get to being the Borg, but from the other direction. I don't think it's quite like that. I think it's that the bioneural gel isn't really alive in any sense. It's just capable of transmitting data a lot quicker. Well, it, but it has an organic component, though. That's the whole point. Well, it's organic, yes, but 
fruits it, are organic. That doesn't mean they're alive. They are up to a point. They're alive as long as they're on the tree, and for some stuff, they're actually still alive after you after you pull them. Well, yeah. No, they're not. That's silliness. Otherwise, <laughs> vegans eat them. <laughs> vegans are hypocrites. Whoa. Taking a stance here on Toast. Just because they wear thick glasses and have funny beers doesn't make them. No, no, that's hipsters. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just because they have have cheek pouches and and live in uh, cedar chips. Oh, wait, no, that's hamsters. Wait. Yeah, okay. The gel packs form the basis of the bioneural circuitry, which is essentially an organic computer system right there on Memory Alpha. And is it organic computer system for the sake of being an organic computer system, or just no, because this seems to work? Well, it helps store more information and operate it faster than isolinear circuitry. So they there, replace oh, isolinear chips. It's because it worked better. Well, that's what I said. Stores more and operates faster than and isolinear. Also, but, largely stopped being an element in the show after the first couple seasons because which Voyager. Was dumb. I know it was such a cool idea, and they didn't really ever do anything with it. it well, like they the Voyager. They introduced that to you know make Voyager seem like okay, this is an even more advanced ship than what we've you know seen for the last seven years with Next Generation. But at the same time. Um, except for the episode where one or more of the gel packs literally got sick and had to be treated. Speaking of that, so maybe this is why they stopped using them. <clears throat> like other biological forms, gel packs were susceptible to bacteria and viruses. And they were infected. Uh, and they were so, when virus. so when those get a computer virus, it's really a computer virus, and you can't just restore <laughs> from a backup. They were infected with a virus within a bacteria due to cheese created by Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that is so Voyager. A but, gel pack in the mess hall was infected with a macrovirus and led to an outbreak when it ruptured. View. During a voyage through, the, through a Mutara-class nebula, the gel packs began to fail due to subnucleonic radiation. So basically, these things suck. Right, the only kind of stories you can really write involving them are things where they fail and seem like bad ideas. And so it's not... like a holodeck story. Well, and that's what we're doing next week. <laughs> oh, but Janeway once commented that bioneural gel packs could plot vectors, quote, a bit faster than Tom Paris. <laughs> so a bag of goo is better than Tom Paris. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a very specific statement right there. <laughs> now you know, like a Rolaren or a Wesley Crusher, they they got those gel packs beat. But yeah, they they are right. a little bit more effective than a Tom Paris. <laughs> yes. Well, to be fair with gel packs, you don't have Wesley Crushers like getting drunk and dumping all of them out on the floor where they'd have to come in and reorganize them. Although I would like to see that now. <laughs> Because it'd be a little more fun than those isolinear chips from that episode, because there'd be, like, a plop with every one. <laughs> <laughs> so the problem with the, the gel packs is, like, well, we, well, we saw the flaws of them. We never saw them acting more powerful than, say, what the Enterprise computer could do. Because the Voyager's it, computer seemed to be just about as quick or slow well, yeah, as any other computer. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't right. always... The Voyager's computer as uh, sarcastic and... Uh... 
use and intentionally useless. <laughs> Not that I can remember, but you know, at the same time, that'd be measured against everybody else in the show. So, yeah. do, do you want to know why? Because this computer system could feel pain. <laughs> <laughs> This computer was afraid for its life. Um, yeah. Shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. It oh, no. See, you can't, you can't really, like, reasonably demonstrate the superiority of a computer system in fiction like this because the computer is always going to be as fast or as slow as the story needs it to be, <laughs> regardless of anything else. Right. Yeah, it always right. runs at the speed of plot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also like has kind of. Sorry. I, yeah, I mean, you can you can keep adding like gigaplots to it, but at the at the end of the day, it still runs at about the same speed. It, it also has a problem of the, yes, gigaplots. <laughs> a gigaplot. It's, it's also just a plot. So <laughs> it also has the problem of the wharf syndrome, which is again, you have to show how good it is. The only way to 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 it's only in relationship to something else being better than it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, with the Voyager computer, you don't really get, like, some guest alien coming in and slapping it across the bridge. But you go, oh, it's even faster than our system, even though we have these gel packs. So it's like, you know, great. These gel packs are rated at 1.2 Parises. Fucking Voyager. Unfortunately, they're only about 0.6 crushers. And, you know, just somewhere somebody is sitting ashamed in a research office, like, I can't make this better than Wesley Crusher. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I got I guess I gotta be up at 3.30. Yes, that seems like a good note to end yes, on. So. <laughs> yeah, go unconscious. We'll be back next week with some Voyager and, you know, some Russ, and maybe those two things will balance each other out. Let's oh, hope. Cool. Best of luck. Good night. Night. Mariposa is Spanish for butterfly. Mm-hmm.